Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. Okay, so everybody have your, your sermon notes tonight. We're talking about a heavy subject. We're talking about in the series of what does the Bible say? We're going to be looking at what does the Bible say about abortion? Um, and this is heavy, guys. It's very emotional. It's very emotional for me. It's probably very emotional for you. It affects, I would venture to say, in some capacity, everybody in the room. And there are many people who are not here tonight because the subject is just too heavy to even talk about for them. Um, and there are some who show up to conversations like this with their pitchforks ready to, ready and swords and ready to go to war. And I even have a sense, when I approach tonight, I have a sense of confrontation. I have a sense where where I want to confront things um, and, and, and confront wrongs that I see. And then I also have this great sense of compassion. And I never want my sense of confrontation to outweigh my sense of compassion. And because here's the deal for, for believers you know, who, who are, you know, because we talk about pro-life or pro-choice. For people who are, are, are pro-life and you're, you're believers, you can try to save a life, but then in the way that you go about it, you end up losing the soul. And I, that's a win-lose. And so I think we need to ask the Holy Spirit to lead us in compassion as we confront. And I think we have to have both. And I don't know about you, maybe you're sanctified and perfect already, but I'm not always there. And, and so tonight is heavy for me, to be honest with you. It's heavy because uh, I don't know who you have talked to or what, what you face or what you deal with, but in my occupation, I talk to a lot of different kinds of people in a lot of different kinds of situations. And I always try to rep, uh, recognize, you know, Sarah and I talk about this, that we are, we're not representing John and Sarah. And we're not even really representing Faith Center, even though I know we are. We're representing the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I can't sit down and just throw my opinion at somebody. I can't just sit down and let my emotions go. That I'm representing the Lord. I can't use the Bible as a weapon against somebody. I can use the Bible as a weapon against the devil. I can put on the armor of God and use a sword of spirit against the devil. I can have a sense of confrontation, really not even confrontation. I can have a sense of combat when it comes to, to, to the powers of darkness because, you know, we, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but we war against these principalities and powers and rulers in, in high places. And, some of the, and this issue tonight, I believe demons are at work, to be honest with you, um, deceiving and lying. And, and just like they're at work in every other area of society. And so we should have a sense of combat against spirits of darkness that, are, that the Word of God says are at, at work, you know, 
in the world, deceiving the whole world, the, the prince and the power of the air, but we need to have a sense of compassion when dealing with people. And, and I'm a pretty compassionate guy. I'm a pretty nice guy, in case you haven't realized that. And, and there's certain things that can kind of get me frustrated, and, and I have to kind of work on it. So I'm just going to guess. I'm going way out on a limb here. But if I need to work on balance and compassion, maybe you do. If the person sitting next to you needs a little work on compassion and balance, just pinch them right now. <laughs> All right. So here's what I want to do. Um, I want you to open your Bible to Romans chapter 15. And I want to, I want to pray. So, Father, we thank you in Jesus' name for tonight. We thank you that, um, Holy Spirit, you help us to hear and understand. And, Father, that you help me to speak clearly and compassionately and truthfully from your word. Open our hearts, open our minds, and help us in Jesus' name. Amen. So the verse I want to share is Romans 15, 4. It should be a little bit familiar to you because I talked about it a few weeks ago. Um, Romans 15, 4. It says, for whatever, these, whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the scriptures might have hope. So whole chapter is really good. <laughs> But this is saying that the things that were written before, and it clearly tells us the things that were written before are called the scriptures, that this is written for our learning and that through patience and through the comfort of the scriptures that we have hope. So we have to turn to the scriptures. And so as we approach this subject, I have three basic ways to approach this subject. And the first one is what does the scripture say? What does the Bible say? We need to look at that. Because you say what you say, I say what I say, they say what they say, and, and all those opinions really don't matter. You need to, we, we as believers in Christ need to look to the, the word of God. And I told you, why do we trust the word? The main reason is because Jesus has been resurrected from the dead, just like he said he, he, he was, uh, like he said he would be. And it was, he was crucified, buried, and raised according to the scripture. So his death, burial, and resurrection is, locks him and links him to the scripture. So if, if the scripture is true, he rises from the dead. If the scripture is not true, he doesn't rise from the dead. So if he rose from the dead, the scriptures are true. And there's a bunch of other reasons you can trust the scriptures. We talked about those, but the, the main thing is, is the resurrection of Christ. So we need to look at what do the scriptures say. The second thing is what does science say? Now, that's a funny term these days. Follow the science. Just like some people mishandle the scriptures, there's people who mishandle science. And so you have to rightly uh, interpret the word of God. You can't just pull verses out however you want. You have to rightly understand the scriptures based on Jesus Christ, the, the, the person of Christ. And science, you have to understand that because you can take the scriptures and say anything you want. And you can take science and say anything you want. The question is, are you ready to learn? 
Are you willing to grow or are you already convinced? And you need to be open and willing uh, to learn even a more effective way. And I almost put the word philosophy in there too. Because science and philosophy, they kind of, you know, they're, they're second cousins in a sense in our culture. The science part speaks to, you know, the, the material things like what, what are we talking about? Scientifically, what are we talking about? where philosophy is more like kind of, you know, these lofty thoughts and, and talking about, you know, the social constructs and all this kind of stuff of who are we talking about. And, and so those things all kind of play into stuff. And then a word I can barely say, that's why I just didn't write a blank, I just put it in there, statistics. Whew. Hopefully I don't have to say that word again tonight. Uh, so what do the stats say? And guys, I looked up stats all over the place, and whew, I don't know what stats are true or what stats are not true. So some of you are going to say, wow, there's a wide gap in your stats. Well, talk to Google about it because the stats are all over the place with different organizations and different people and everybody claiming their stats is right. So I'll show you some things that I thought was important tonight. So the first thing I want to cover is the issue of life, the issue of life. Because we talk about pro-life or pro-choice, the first thing I want to talk about is the issue of life. Because here's, here's the way I really want to approach this. Uh, we're, we're going to talk about life and we're going to talk about choice, but I, I really approach it from even though I will approach it from a biblical sense, because I am a believer in Jesus Christ, hopefully it's not a shock to any of you, but I also approach it from a place of just human rights and equality. Because I think there is a logical, take scripture out of it. I think there is a logical conversation to have just about equality. Equality of human rights. And if human rights is meaningful to you, then tonight's subject should be meaningful to you for human rights and having equality. But underneath number one, you see A there. Uh, the first and most important question for me in this discussion is, when does life begin? When does life begin? You'll find a lot of different concepts built on, built on all kinds of different aspects, but using the scriptures and using science, we're going to look at when does life begin. So first of all, the scriptures. A few scriptures I want you to see. Uh, Leviticus 17, verse 11. It says, for, for the life of the flesh or the life of the creature, the life of the creature or the life of the flesh, the life of the person is in the blood. And that's a heavy theme throughout the rest of the Bible. That's why you have blood sacrifices. It says in Hebrews, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Because in order for something that is spiritually dead to become alive, something that is alive, that has blood, there's a blood sacrifice that atones for that, subs that substitute death. So, so that's why Jesus had to give his life. So the life, it, it's not just some weird ritual. The blood sacrifice was because of the life is in the blood. It wasn't just somebody like, ooh, blood, or I want to drink your blood. It wasn't that. It was, <laughs> it, I don't know why I did that. <laughs> but it, it was, um, and you know what's in my head right now? Because we've been watching Isla all week. And so we watched some Sesame Street and there was Count. I just see the count. Anyways, and I just see him. 
<laughs> That's hilarious. Uh, so anyways, it's about the life is in the blood. So the precious thing about the precious blood of Jesus is the life that's in the blood. So if a creature has blood pumping through it, it has life, the scripture says. This next one, and there's a handful more I could do, but I want to show you this this next couple. This is when um, uh, Rachel came and she had the two children within her. Remember, it was Jacob and Esau. She had twins inside of her and they were kicking around and kind of wrestling and having a, a wrestling match inside of her. And she came and she inquired of the Lord and she said, Lord, what's happening inside of my womb? And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb. So we're not just talking about individuals, individual life. God said there's two nations in your womb. There's not just people, there's peoples. Because everything has the, every, the thing that God created has the ability to reproduce. And he sets the orders of how that thing reproduces through seed time and harvest. You can't just take a seed and and look at it and say, I want this seed to reproduce. The seed has to be planted. There's a way the seed should reproduce. And that's why you can't take a man and a man and say, y'all reproduce, because there's a way that God ordained the reproduction. Well, I don't like the way. Okay, well, talk to him about it. I didn't create it. He did. But there's a way for the reproduction. So what he says is the, the nations are inside of your womb because he's already speaking to the, the potential of the seed. That's inside of, of the two children with, within her. And so I just found that fascinating when I was you know, studying and, and that scripture came to my mind. I thought, wow, that is just incredible. Two nations are in you. And this is before the children were born. They're in her womb. And then you look um, uh, in, you know, Jeremiah 1, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. So before you were born, God's saying, before you were born, I sanctified you. See, the calling of God begins before you leave the womb. And you see a number of places where, where you see that. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. See, when God's talking over a womb and the power of a womb of a woman, the power of a womb of a woman is you breed nations. National impact. International impact. The womb of a woman is a holy thing. It's a holy thing. The seed of a man is a holy thing. And when we degrade them, we dishonor God and his creative potential of how he sees the world. And we devalue it to how we see the world. Does that make sense? If you're still with me, say amen. All right. B, the unborn are created by God. For you created me in my, you created uh, my in, you created, for you created my inmost being. Good Lord. You knit me together in my mother's womb. You read the rest of that psalm, like down to to verse 16, it, it talks about you ordained my days and you numbered my days. So even from the womb, God not only knit you together, 
but he, he numbered your days. All in the womb. I, you can write this down. I just wrote because I didn't have enough room to put this on. You know, I got a limit. I'm not going to give you two sheets. I just give you one sheet, two sided. So I had to. So you can write this verse down: Isaiah 49, one through five, and Galatians one, verse 15. Two things that are talking about being called even from the womb. You can read those on your own. Uh, Galatians one, chapter one, verse 15. Paul talks about it there. Isaiah 49, uh, verses 1 through 5, and then you can actually skip down to around, I think if I remember right, verse 10 has some stuff. And there's a number of other places that you can kind of just see this. But guys, if you just see these, two, these few I'm talking about, there's no, I mean, it's boom, there it is. You can't get around it. Um, so C, the unborn are called babies. And, and you may think, well, what's the significance of this? So when Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And so in the, in the very same word, in the Greek, that word is speaking to a person, to a human, to a child, someone that is alive. And so that, that, that very word baby, the same word that's used about, about the baby in her womb, verse 12 uh, of the next chapter in Luke says this will be, now he's talking to Mary. This will be, uh, uh, now he's talking not to Mary, but he's talking to the shepherds or, or the wise men. I forget which one it is right now. You will see a sign. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths lying in a manger. So this is the baby who was born, but biblically speaking, the baby who was already born, it's the same Greek word that's used to say baby in the womb. So the Bible says there's no difference. The baby in me leapt, not because it just had some weird seizure, but because the baby within her heard the greeting that Mary, that Mary gave. So the baby in the womb heard the greeting outside of the room and responded by leaping. And the Bible calls it a baby. I'm so glad. First of all, let me say this. I'm so glad I'm not a woman for a number of different reasons. <laughs> um, some are funny, some are sad. But the reality is I, ah, the, the responsibility and the weight. So this may offend some of you. I can understand why a woman, especially a woman who... Um, who, I don't know, I, I, I can understand why a woman, in light of hearing she is, she is pregnant, backs up from that and says, hold on a second. I don't know if I want to be. I can understand that. Especially with a bunch of moron guys around that are not showing love and support, or families that are so broken, or cultures that are so broken, or I can understand on a basic level, uh, and I can have compassion with understanding why it's like, oh, hang on a second, I'm what, and and how fear and and I don't know if we're gonna make it, and and how are we gonna, and I'm not sure if I'm ready for the. I can understand all that. But we, if we want to speak to, to 
um, truth into these issues, we have to have understanding and compassion and not just throw recklessly truth at people. we got to be careful how we do stuff. And so I'm just going to say, women, if nobody else understands you, I'm like, girl, that's heavy. That's heavy. And then many people we've talked to, as soon as a girl becomes pregnant, the guy who was there saying, I love you, I love you. And then once y'all did your stuff and now you're pregnant, you don't hear from anymore. That stinks. And so you're dealing with rejection and then this whole thing of now I'm, I'm a mom? What? And that's why, we need to, that's why we need to be better at making disciples in our nation. And helping. And there's a whole process. I mean, it's, it's a lot. This, whole, this subject is a lot. That's why one little answer is not going to solve it. We've got to build relationship with people. And we've got to speak truth. And we have to confront lies. And, and this first, first thing about... The question is, when does life begin? And we're seeing it pretty clear here in Scripture that, that life begins in the womb. And, and we, we'll go a little bit further in that, but look, in, look at D, which is, which is the life of the unborn is protected in God's law. And specifically, look, look back to that Scripture there, Exodus 21. And see, here's where you got to be careful, because there's Catholics... And I don't know what y'all think. I'm just going to tell you kind of what I think. I do not believe all Catholics are Christians. I do not believe all professed Christians are Christians. I don't believe people, all people who go to church are truly Christians. I don't believe all Pentecostals are Christians. I don't believe all... I don't... So just... You know, so what I'm saying is, is there is a whole movement of, of Catholics, evangelicals, believe it or not, Protestants. There's movements of Jewish people who, who are pro-choice. And they're in communities, and they're, they're, and they're trying to make their vo- voice heard, and they're, and they're saying that they... They're, they are pro-choice, not pro-life. And they will, they, will, they will not use Scripture, even the Jewish ones will not use Scripture. They go to what's called the Talmud or the Mishnah, which are oral traditions that are not Scripture. And they sound deep spiritually. I study the Talmud or the Mishnah. Doesn't that sound so much cooler than the Bible? Sounds real spiritual and like, ooh, I study that. Ancient rabbis who wrote the Mishnah, the oral traditions passed down through Moses and the Talmud. Well, a lot of those teachings in the Talmud and in the Mishnah uh, are satanically um, breathed because they are used, taking history and tradition and twisting them to keep people from coming to see Christ And so you have to be careful just because it's Jewish doesn't mean it's Jesus. And people trying to be like, oh, it's Jewish. And some rabbis, well, some rabbis are going to hell. It's true. And so that's why we look to Scripture. 
Not Jewish tradition that makes us sound spiritual or mystical. We've got to be careful about that. Or people who, who take the concept of we're just supposed to love God and love people. And they just get into this thing. We just need a loving people. We just need, and we need to love, you know, we need, you just, you got to be careful. You got to look to what scripture says. And I'm going to come back to this question of when does life begin? But the reason I say this right now, because this is one of the scriptures that is heavily debated. I don't understand why it's debated because it's pretty simple. So Exodus 21, verse 22 and 23. If men fight and hurt a woman who is with child. And by the way, you look up that word in the Hebrew. It's not a mass, a fetus, a cluster. Uh, what, it is a person. You are with a child, pregnant, which means you are with a, a living organism within you, a child. So I think that's interesting, first of all, but nobody, nobody ever mentions that so that she gives birth prematurely, yet no harm follows, he shall surely be punished according, accordingly as the woman's husband imposes on him, and he shall pay um, as, the judgment, as the judges determine. So some of your translations, like I think the new, uh, I think the new American standard says the word miscarriage in there instead of gives birth says the word miscarriage. And there's different translations uh, in English that say what looks like you know, different things. And so some will say, see, it's the translation is different. And, and so what it's saying is not if... if so, so it's saying that it can't be a life in, in the mother's womb because if it says miscarriage and there's, there, there's a fight and harm happened to a woman and a miscarriage happened, the guy who did it only has to pay a fine. That's what that verse says. Well, this is a good reason why you got to read the verse before it and after it. Because the verse after it totally demolishes that thought process in that verse. So verse 23 says, But if any harm follows, then you shall give life for life. And some will say, well, it's talking about the, the death of the mother. Well, that doesn't make, that doesn't make sense here. It's clearly talking about if, you in, if you're fighting with Bubba and you injure a pregnant woman who's with child and she does not, does not bring harm to the baby, okay, does not bring harm to the baby and she gives birth like normal and there's no harm to the baby, um, then you give a fine. Or if there's some harm, you, you know, like, like there's some bruising, I don't know, you could chase those rabbits down all day long. But it clearly says that if the baby dies prematurely, the baby dies. That's why it says life for life. Life for life. So there's no other interpretation if you put verse 23 after verse 22. It's talking about life for life, the life of the child who died in the womb because you were wrestling with Bubba and you hurt the, you hurt the woman and the, and the child. So in God's law, it protects the woman. You go home, you read that, read it in every translation you want to. Come up to your own conclusion if you want to, but, but I think it's pretty clear what it's saying. 
Um, and so when you go to the next page, this is where we talk about science. And I put a couple websites down for you to kind of look at. Um, you can look at that lifematters.org. Or, and and if you, it's that QR code there that's on the, the, the page. The QR code is straight from the CDC website about fetal development. So you can just take a picture of that and go look at it. I couldn't figure out how to print it, so I just threw a QR code on there, um, which I thought I was pretty techy being able to throw a QR code on there just to let y'all know um, how many churches you, well, probably every church has a QR code on their stuff. So anyways, I'm just stepping up to the century. But when you... When you look at it, here's what blows me away. There's so much stuff you can look at from all these. But here's the thing. If you say, well, this is from this website or from this website, people say, oh, well, they're putting their spin on it. And how do you, you know, the fact finders or whatever, how do you know what's true? Well, we can trust the Bible. We've established that. Um, And then when you look at science, you know, you have to use wisdom and, and look at certain things. But I read a thing where 90, 90, and this was in a couple different articles, 96% of scientists, regardless of their religious beliefs, all believe because of science that life happens at conception. 96%. And this was from atheist websites. Um, they say 90, some, some say 97 you know, so it's right at 96% that when you look at it and you study just the science of it, and we're going to get into what defines life, but this web, this QR code takes you to this, this, this diagram that you can see. It's actually a pamphlet of, and the whole thing is about fetal development to educate the, the mother who's pregnant um, to stay away from alcohol, drugs, or smoking. Now, is there anybody in here that thinks if you're pregnant, it's a good idea to drink a bunch, to drink alcohol, you know, smoke, um, or do drugs? Everyone probably, common sense is that's probably not a good idea. But so the CDC puts out this thing and it goes through the development of stages that I'm not going to, I'm not going to go through. I'm going to tell you a couple things that I have on the page here, but it walks it through week by week. And it shows you what's developing within this embryo. And the whole purpose of it is to show you, here's where the hands develop. Here's where the, and so if you smoke or if you drink or if you do whatever, you could, be, you could bring um, a handicap to that, that stage of development if you use during that stage. Here's where the brain waves start. Here's where the breath starts. Here's where the heartbeat starts. Here's, it walks through all of it. And the whole purpose is, is to say, mothers, do not use alcohol, do not smoke, and do not use drugs because you will harm your fetus or your child. How in the world... Could you say in one breath, do not use alcohol because you'll harm the child in you, but if you want to abort it, it's okay. I do not understand the the hypocrisy of these different things. Where is a mother saying, it's my body, I'll drink? See, I'm getting a little bit passionate. I just struggle. I'm telling you, I'm full of compassion. 
I'm full of compassion, but we got to challenge the different things that we agree with and don't agree with because certain people agree with this part, but they don't agree with this part. And if you come at the perspective of, of just equal human rights, which that's where I'm going to land, but I guess I'm going to say something about it right now. That why would I not drink if any of you in this room knew that something you were doing was harming somebody else, you'd probably, some of you, most of you, would probably stop doing it. And the CDC puts this stuff out there, and nobody said, nobody questions that. It's like they promote it as, as here we go. But then there's this whole reproductive um, health care. And this thing, it's just, it's, I don't understand. I really don't understand. If you're willing not to drink, or if you're promoting, you, sh- you should not drink even though you want to. You should not smoke even though you, you want to. You should not do drugs even though you want to. That's your preference. That's what you normally did before you were pregnant. But you need to stop that because of the effects. And, it, and through each week, it walks it through. If you use it this week, this is what it's this will this is the area that this is the area of development that will affect the child within you. So it and you see the hands and the feet and the legs, you see all of it, the brain, all of it being developed. And yet they say it's not a child. I don't understand. I just don't understand. So you can look at that. QR code and look at that. So based on the things I put together, and I took a little bit from different things, and, and most of this is from that lifematters.org, and I checked it off other things, even the CDC thing, and it all lines up really, really close. That the heartbeat starts between 18 and 22 days after conception. And the heart beats from the day of from that time until the time of the average birth, the heartbeat of a child will beat 54 million times. Life is in the blood. The heart pumps blood. Brain waves are, can begin to be traced. The signal, brainwave signals can begin to be clearly seen um, uh, six weeks after conception. Independent movement. The embryo begins to spontaneously move between five to six weeks. And that's when I hear you know you're going to have an active child or a lazy child. (laughs) Mamas, you know when they kick and it looks like aliens inside of you. You know that. That's 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 one reason to be like, oh, get it out. I don't, I don't, I just I don't even like when I burp and my stomach moves. So, you know, the but you feel that, mothers, you have felt that. You know the child is moving independent. You're not making, the child independently is moving. You're not doing something to make the child move. The senses, by eight weeks, the t- touching the embryo will elicit squinting, jaw movement, grasping motions, and toe pointing. That you, they, there's reactions that you can, can, can do. The breathing, the embryo can hiccup by seven weeks. And the diaphragm muscle is completely formed by eight weeks. 
and intermediate um, or intermittent, I mean, uh, breathing motion begins by that time. And now here's the stats. And guys, I tried to look, and I don't, I don't know. Um, some of y'all may have better stats. I know, uh, you know, we support Hope Unlimited here, and they do an awesome work uh, in this city. So somebody may have better, better stats on this. Do you know of any better stats than those right there? Yeah, per year in the United States. Because I know worldwide, the, the World Health Organization says that there's 35 to 40 million abortions a year worldwide. Now, for the United States, I saw, I couldn't find any numbers on 21. No one would like put clear numbers on 21. There was a bunch of abouts and things like that. So that number goes like back from 2017, like 600,000 to a million plus. Do you have any better numbers on that? Okay, yeah. Yeah, so uh, uh, it's um, the highest I heard that they, they have tested said, um, do you have numbers? Or? They don't count the... Okay, she's saying that there's some states, California and... Yeah, and so, and by the way, people ask me about the, the Roe v. Wade stuff, and, and I'm not the expert on this, because um, my job is to preach Jesus. But, but the Roe v. Wade is, is not about, is abortion legal or illegal? It's just defaulting it from a federal thing to a state responsibility. You know, so people people throwing, you know, going crazy. Oh, you can't take away abortion. It's it's just going to make it to where now it's an issue that is dealt with on a state level, not a federal level. Um, but most of y'all already probably knew that. And so, so the numbers, the stats. Uh, I mean, years ago, I went I went with Bishop Larry Jackson to a meeting of a, of a network of pastors. And I sat next to Lou Engel. Do any of y'all know who Lou Engel is? He's a guy that sits there all the time, and he just, he just doesn't stop. So I came in late to the meeting, go figure. And I got in, and I sat down with the only seat, and I look over, and I'm like, who is this guy rocking next to me? Like, he just kept rocking. I'm like, and I look, I'm like, that's Lou Engel. And then I realized, I'm at the end of the platform, I came in the wrong side. <laughs> and so I just sat there like, don't call on me. And so anyways, what they were talking about, this was probably, I don't know how many years ago it was, but they were talking about in the black community. And I don't remember the numbers, but I'm sure there's new numbers that are out there right now. It blew my mind. I do not understand how anybody could say black lives matter, but you, but you don't you don't fight for the black babies that are being killed in the womb. I do not understand. Yes, it, I, I didn't know it was 2016, but there's more black babies um, aborted than birthed in New York City. In 2016. And it was, it was numbers like that. I'm telling you, I was in that room and these women started, these church mothers started groaning when they were hearing this. 
And, and you could clearly see through the stats, you can clearly see if you know anything about the Bible and anything about the kingdom, you can clearly see the attack of the enemy to cut down nations by getting them in the womb. Clearly. I'll never forget that time. Those women just wailing, just crying out. And then one of the men got up and started speaking to the men because there's a huge issue of fatherlessness and, and men not stepping up and supporting. And so part of this issue is the women who find out that they're pregnant, which, which I don't even know if we need to go back to the basics of how do you get pregnant? You know, some people might not know. I don't know because it's like, well, I want to do what I want to do. Well, well. Okay, whether you believe it's God or you just believe it's nature, there are repercussions to actions. And if that's the action you want to take, sorry, the world does not revolve around you. You want to drink and drive? The world does not revolve around you. You might get a ticket. You might go to jail. Don't blame God for that. You want to go steal to get ahead? There's, there's repercussions for that. You might not get caught, but you might. And you might go to jail. Don't blame God for that. You want to have sex? If you're a woman, you might get pregnant. Whether you believe in God or not, that's a logical conversation. Consequences come to smart people and stupid people. Religious people, unreligious people come to all kinds of people. You reap what you sow. God is not mocked. So if you want to have sex, then okay. But here's, here's, part, of the, the, here's part of the responsibility that, that happens with that. Well, I don't like that. O okay. Well, you go, I mean, goodness. Um. There was something else I was going to say about this. What was I saying right before you said your thing? Oh, I was going to say the men. So, so for women, we can, just, we can just, you know, women who are facing these decisions, maybe some of you have made these decisions. Maybe there's, there's a number of women who go to this church who have had abortions. And we're going to talk about that part in just a second. Um, there's a number of people um, who've come through, uh, who've, who've faced this situation. And we've seen God do miraculous things. I uh, talked about it a few weeks ago. Um, and there's been, there's been two or three uh, that have, have helped women walk through. We've tried to help a lot of women walk through this, but there's been two or three where the child ends up being um, born and, and the, women, the woman has pressure from, from parents, from family, from boyfriends, from friends. They feel all this pressure. And you could say, well, they shouldn't feel that pressure. Well, you're not in their shoes. You're not in their shoes. And so you got to be, be compassionate as you're helping to say, hey, I'll walk with you through this. So I believe we should be doing more to help women. And so one of the guys got up and spoke to the men and was speaking to them about um, how their influence upon the women was promoting abortion. 
because because they if if the woman had the child, the men would just kind of ditch her. And how it was, men, you need to stand up and be a father. You need to stand up and take responsibility. Um and that's why you want to wait. If you're, if you're thinking about getting married, that's why you want to wait to have sex. And that's one of the many reasons why you want to wait to have sex before you actually say, I do. Because if they, can't be, if they don't have enough self-control to wait for you and be self-responsible in dealing with passions and desires that I hope they do have, I hope they do want to have sex with you. That'd be a bad thing if they didn't. But un- being under self-control, and if they can handle that and self-control before, then you know they can handle self-responsibility within the marriage. But if they're so impulsive and compulsive, and if you don't have sex with me, you don't love me, that's a sign that this guy's a moron. And he's irresponsible now. And if you give into it and have a child with him, it's going to be real bad later on. Okay? And so, anyways, so we need to step up, not only men, but we need to step up and help people. And some of y'all have. Jim and Susan Lewis, I know y'all have, y'all have not only prayed, but y'all have stepped up and helped people tremendously. Um, and there's others that have too that have come alongside and, and help people. Sarah, we, we help have helped people. Uh, some of y'all have helped um, women who decided not to have an abortion. You helped them get apartments. You helped them get... Oh, isn't that just so cool? Helped some get adopted. Were gods at work in the adoption? And now the new family that has the child is just like... They see, even though they weren't biologically, did not biologically receive that child from God, they have received that child from God. So there's a whole lot we can do instead of just saying, don't abort the child. That's kind of my heartbeat. I want to have compassion on people. But it all comes down to, do you see it as a life? And if you see it as a life, then the next thing, number two, the issue of choice. If you, if you, if you, can, if you can understand and answer the question, when, when does this thing become a life? If you can answer that question through scripture and through science, even through philo- right philosophy, and you see it very clearly, then the choice is pretty obvious. The choice is pretty obvious. Obvious. We all have choice, but so, so people who say, well, it's not a child, it's not a child until it's born. There's not one of us who would look to a one-year-old, take a one-year-old, there's not one of us. Now, sometimes we want to encourage them a little bit, but there's not one of us who would take a one-year-old that it comes from a deprived home, that has a handicap, that is in a, is in a culturally poor or, or area that that may have to you know because of their birth or or their early life circumstances we know they're going to go through some hard and difficult stuff there's not one of us who would look to the even the starving kids maybe in the nation of Africa or or the ones in Mexico or the ones even in East Kentucky there's not one of us who would go to one of those one-year-olds and who is dealing with with handicap poverty um uh uh 
a deformity. There's not one of us who would go to a one-year-old child and step in there and say, oh my gosh, that life condition, oh my gosh, the poverty, oh, we need to take this child's life. Not one of us would take the life of a one-year-old future doctor, future president, future somebody, because we thought their condition was too much for them to handle. Not one of us would take a life. Why? Because it's a life. So if it's a life, if it's a life in the womb, the decision's simple. Now you may say, well, I don't believe it's a life in the womb. Then I would say you need to go back to what we just talked about. Yes, sir. Oh, yeah. Yeah. New York. Yeah, I agree. Yes. 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 Yeah, and I, I, I totally agree with that. So, so I, I absolutely, yeah, we're saying the same thing. That, that, and the, it, in my opinion, when you see it's a life, if you don't see it's a life, that's, that's ignorance or demonic deception. If you know it's a life and you still don't care, that's just straight demonic. Yeah. And it's or, because, and demonic stuff feeds on self, feeds on self. It lifts up self as God. That's why the gen, a generation thinks we, we are the generation that can solve all the world's problems. It's a pride and arrogance instead of recognizing that we are born wretched, rotten sinners. And we need desperately a savior instead of thinking we can figure this out ourselves. You know, so it, there is a demonic thing that the answer to it, the answer to it, we're, we're, I'm going to end with talking about prayer and some of the things we can do, but because oh, there is intercession and prayer and all that kind of stuff. But the ultimate thing is discipleship. But here's the problem, y'all. We can go have an argument with somebody. As you can already see, I can get easily passionate about, and hopefully you see I'm coming back to compassion. Because I'm, it's, it's just tough. But to build a relationship so that we don't try to save the life of a child, but lose the eternal soul of a parent. That we actually help women to see the value of women. You know, men have used the Bible and other things to diminish women and to belittle women and to do all kinds of stuff. Cultures still do that to this day. And so we should be speaking out against that. Every man in this room knows your wife is smarter than you. And, and some of the ones who don't know yet, know that yet, <laughs> are just adding to my point. And so it is a matter of, of, of ultimately discipleship and being able to confront the powers of darkness through spiritual warfare, but then go make disciples.
go make disciples. And, um, and doing it with love and compassion. And, and so, so the choice, and when you talk about choice, it talks about, A, where do our rights end? Where do our rights, where does my personal rights end? That's a big question. Where do my rights end? And there's people who have told me, it's my body, it's my rights. And what's confusing to me, and I'm not going to go off on a tangent here, but I just have to say the confusion of our day is the same person that argues with me about my body, my rights, is the same one that says, you are mandated to be vaccinated. I'm like, I'm confused. And, and I, don't, I try not to get in arguments. I really try to be a nice guy. I honestly do. Um, but looking at 1 Corinthians 6, 19, does everybody know what 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says? If you don't know what 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says, like right now, if you don't know it, please look it up. And I'm not, that's not a sign of your ignorance. I'm just saying, if you don't know it, please look it up. It's okay if you don't know it, but I want you to see it for yourself. 1 Corinthians 6, 19, I want you to see it for yourself. Because this, in my opinion, is the simplest, clearest verse for a believer about your rights when it comes to your body. The simplest, clearest verse that, that you could see. There's a few others that we could probably go to. But if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, then it's not difficult. It's not rocket science. It's pretty simple. And I love how it says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you are not your own? And look in verse 20. For you were bought at a price, which is the blood of Jesus. Remember, his life is in the blood. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So you don't belong to you. It's not your body. It's not your body. Now, I've talked about it a little bit just because I have to convict myself and repent often about this. But gluttony, the church doesn't talk much about gluttony. We 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 don't deal with it. We don't talk about some of these things. But the whole world fell into sin over food. And so we need to look at some of these different issues and some of these different things and, and, and talk about it and look at it. But our body and what we give our body to, you know, just to pleasure or just some people idolize their body. And I think it's good, you know, as you can tell, I think it's good to be fit and in shape and have muscles. But it's a whole different thing. Bodily exercise is of some value, but godliness, exercise toward godliness is the greatest value. And so so growing yourself physically to be built, and it's all in image and stuff. Well, we have a generation that looks at image but has no integrity. And so you've got to, you've got to, I got to build me in the image and likeness of God. And it's not hard to be in the image of God because we were all born in the image of God, but we were not born in the likeness of God. Adam was born in the image and likeness of God, 
But then sin happened. And in sin, he lost the likeness of God, maintained the image of God. So we're born looking like God. Image speaks to photograph, like what, what you look like. But likeness speaks to action, what you act like. So when we come back to relationship with Jesus Christ, what should be restored to us, because Christ lives in us and his grace empowers us, we can't live the Christian life, only Christ can. And he lives it through us as we yield ourselves to him. So we take the image and yield it to the likeness, and now all of a sudden what's reconciled is the likeness and the image of God. And then a world sees something that makes sense. Some, because the image and likeness of God should be able to make logical sense to some people who are not under the sway of demonic delusion. That's why the Bible says, let us reason together. Anybody who sees Christ, there's, there's a basic reason like, this makes sense. That's why I have to be blinded to not see the gospel. And, and so... So to me, that's the scripture. And then I'll put the sentence in here. If the unborn child is not a living person, if the, if the child, the embryo, whatever, is not a living person, no excuse for abortion is needed. But if the unborn child is a living person and you look up to the top of your page that has a heartbeat, that has brain waves, that has independent movement, that has senses, that is breathing, that 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 and then you look at the page before that, that has a call of God to affect nations in their life that is woven together by God. And that is God is working and, 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 and God released that life. If, if, if it's a life, then guys, there really shouldn't be any debate about choice. If it's a life. Because if the unborn child is living then no excuse for abortion is acceptable. Some people say this. They say, people's, it's your conscience. Your conscience is whatever you feel like. I can't tell you what to do. You know, so you say, Pastor, you say, okay, for believers, I, I get what you're saying. Believers should follow the Bible, and they should follow what the Bible says, but I don't have a right to put my faith upon somebody else. I don't have a right to, to, to do that. Well, if it's a life, you have a moral obligation to have equal rights for all lives. And if you're going to stand up and, and be, the, be the person or the group or whatever that says equal rights, and there are some things that we need to address. There are some injustices that need to be addressed in many different areas of life without, without saying the whole thing is bad. There's things that when we see it, we need to address it. Matter of fact, I'm just going to say this because I'm feeling real froggy right now. That part of the reason we're having a lot of the, the, our Mexican brothers and sisters come here, because I believe the Lord is going to break the, the racism that some of you have towards Mexicans. When you see they know Jesus better than you do. And that your stereotype will change. And you see the value in that person. So there's things that we need to address as believers and, and get a whole lot better at. But can we not just start? I mean, I, I totally understand. It has to be demonic deception not to see this. To see that if it's a life, if it's a life, 
then the choice is simple. And you say, well, I can't, if, if, but if you're an unbeliever, I can't put that off on you. If it's a life, believer or not, Believer or not, in our society, would we not fight for equal rights for all human beings? I get confused of people who are like, go save the whales, but kill the babies. And so let's, you know, and let's come alongside the mothers who are in a terrible situation. And matter of fact, let's start even way before that. Let's get back into the school systems, get back into the families, and have parents start making disciples in the home and not depend upon the school system or depend upon the government. And let's start loving them at a young age instead of abusing them. Let's start cherishing them and valuing them, whether you're a believer in God or not. Just as a human being, just value them and love them. And for believers, then you begin to walk according to the Word of God. And I just, I can't even, this whole thing that I've seen about reproductive health care, I just really struggle. Because, you know, there are provisions for, you know, if you look at the stats, if you look at the stats, I've looked at a number of these stats. I don't know these stats. You're smarter than me. I already told you I don't even like saying the word statistics. I'll just say stats. When I looked at it, I, th- I believe the top three in the United States, if I read it right, the top three reasons that people gave, that mothers gave for abortion at the time of they were filling out the abortion stuff, the top three, the top three reasons, and these were like at, at you know, 20, 30 percent of, of, of the reasons. So like rape, incest, that was not even a percentage. It was like 0.5 percent of rape and incest. Or if, if, there's a, if there's a medical reason and the woman's life is in danger, all that is covered in provision. All that is covered. So the top three reasons were I cannot afford this child, number one. I think we can solve that problem. The other reason, the the next highest reason is, I'm not ready to be a mother. Was there really any mother who had a child who was ready to be a mother? So I think we can help solve that problem. And the last one is the one that scares me the most. And this was actually, in one report, was the highest one where they gave no reason. Literally, they checked the box that said, no reason. That's what scares me the most. I think the other ones we can solve. So what about unbelievers? Do we have the right to tell them what to do with their bodies? Well, if it's a life, yeah, we do. Because we're having equal human rights. And we are, we are protecting the rights of the person that is within your belly. And if society or a government or scientists would agree saying you shouldn't drink because you'll harm the child, then surely we could agree that you shouldn't take the life of the child.
So the third one is the issue of forgiveness. And one of my favorite things about forgiveness is Psalms 51. And I just wrote little snippets of it right there. If you've never read Psalm 51, uh, go read Psalm 51. Because if there's anybody in here who's committed any sin, any sin, Psalm 51 is a pathway of repentance. And it's, have mercy on me, O God, for I know my transgressions. So you got to know your sins. You got to know your sins. You can't just say, oh, God doesn't look at my sin. God, God's grace and God's mercy. He just, no, no, no. It's the blood of Jesus knew your sins. That's why it had to be the life that was in the blood and the blood that was in Jesus that had to be spilled. He was unrighteous and he became, he was righteous and became unrighteous for you. So that you, your unrighteousness could become righteous. So it was a high price. So you got to know and acknowledge the sinfulness of your sin. So that the guilt and the shame that Jesus took on the cross could be appreciated by you. Jesus does not want you to have guilt and shame and condemnation. Jesus told the woman uh, who was caught in the act of adultery, I do not condemn you, but go and sin no more. So acknowledging the sinfulness of your sin does not mean you walk in depression, guilt, and shame. It means you appreciate and, and thank God for what Jesus took on the cross for you. And it's have mercy on me, O oh God. And listen, there's not a person in this room who that is, not the, that is not the heartbeat of your cry in your relationship with God is, O oh God, have mercy on me. There's not a one of us who that's not our heart cry to God. And if you think that you're at a point where I don't need God's mercy, I'm doing pretty well myself, then you better watch yourself. Against you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. Cleanse me, wash me, make me hear joy and gladness. That's that renewal. He'll cleanse you, he'll wash you, and then all of a sudden he restores that you're hearing joy, you're hearing gladness. You don't walk around with shame. You don't walk around with guilt. Jesus took that. You know what you're supposed to take? The joy. Let me hear joy and gladness. Not about my sin, but joy and gladness about the one who took my sin. It's an amazing psalm to read, and he created me a, a clean heart and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Restore the joy of your salvation. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and deliver me from the guilt of bloodshed. So if you have struggled with the guilt of maybe having an abortion, I'm telling you, I love you, the Lord loves you, and I've had plenty of sin in my life. Plenty of sin in my life. And the Lord's forgiven me of them all. And he's loved me enough to correct me if I ever slip back to it. And build me and help me teach other transgressors away from that. And God can take the pain of whatever sin you did in the past and can turn that into, into a message to bring hope and promise to somebody who's facing the same situation that you were, but they didn't have you there to help. And then the fourth one is the issue of responsibility. The issue of responsibility to be prayerful. You need to be prayerful, having compassion, 
Compassion towards people, but combat towards the enemy. Personally, what can you do? And you need to pray about this. So some of you, we need to go adopt kids. Well, you better pray about that. You need to pray, what can we do? And let the Spirit of God lead us to be solution-centered, not judgment-centered. And then politically, I think you need to, I think we all need to, I don't think we need to get the pulpit up to politics. I think we need to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because I think the key issue back this last year when all this stuff went crazy, every time I kept coming to the Lord and praying, Lord, what, what, it all came back to discipleship every single time. We're called to make disciples. Because the politics reflect the heart of the people. So we need to change the heart of the people, not change the politics. But as a part in that, we do have political responsibility. And so... Every believer should be voting the Bible. What every, what, whatever the group or the candidate that we're, whatever candidate best aligns with what this word says, that's the one we vote for. Not the one who we like more or don't like more. Not the one who dresses this way or that way. Not the one who stands. It's the one whose policies, because we cannot vote personality. We should always vote policy. And we should be voting according to what do they say about this? Where do the, where their values align most with this? And so we should be having making, making it very clear, but also very compassionate. Well, I see this nonsense of, of people, you know, radical versus radical. We need some common sense people to rise up in the middle. Because I honestly, I can't stand radical either side. And, and so, and will they do this against us? So we're going to do it against. My Bible says don't return evil for evil. Insult for insult. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Don't, don't, uh, you don't overcome evil with evil. You overcome evil with good. And you look to get in relationship with people. One of the worst things you can do is argue with somebody you're not willing to get into relationship with. Get into relationship, learn their story, story, learn their pain before you throw a rule at them or a biblical principle at them. Learn their story, learn where they're at. And then as you're in relationship with them, you can say, hey, you know what the Bible says about that? You know what God thinks about that? And they'd be like, what? God's a meanie or God, they, God may have been misrepresented to them. And you have the way to come and show the love of God. Like Jesus with, to the woman at the well, sat down with her, had a relational conversation and confronted the sin in her life in a way that made her go win a city for Jesus. He didn't judge her or shame her. So somewhere in that conversation, she knew she was loved. And I think it's funny that at John chapter 4, when that happened, the other disciples were not there because they had not matured to a place where they can do that yet. They probably are going to cut off her ear or something like that. <laughs> but Jesus saw her underneath her sin. And sometimes we just see people sin. And so we need to be relational in this. So that's... My heart, um, there's a whole lot more to talk about. At the bottom of your page, I put that website there. Um, 
EqualRightsInstitute.com. Uh, I haven't been, I've looked at a number of things from them that I really thought it challenged me. The equal rights things challenged me because I would usually just approach this from a biblical perspective. And so as I was praying and going through this, um, it, really, it really helped me um, to, to think, wow. I need to, I need to kind of understand, I need to grow. I need to learn. Like, if I could, I'd bring this world back to 1990 right now. I like 1990. Loved it. I would bring the world back to 1990 right now, except I'd make sure Chick-fil-A was in it, <laughs> which I think it was. So um, there's things I do not understand about the world in which we live. I just don't get it. But it's the world we live. And God sent Moses to Egypt. God sent Daniel, ended up going to, you know, uh, Babylon. And God has sent us here. Yes. <laughs> That's the verse Sarah quoted to me earlier. No, it was a good verse. Sarah wanted me to preach it, so... I'm going to preach it because Sarah wants me to, Bill, not because you do. <laughs> okay, Deuteronomy 30, verse 19. And by the way, that whole chapter is good. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Deuteronomy 30, 19, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. Everything God does. Well, you told me not to preach. <laughs> okay, so... We need to, as a, as a people, learn how to come alongside people who are struggling and walking through difficulty with having head abortions and not looking at them with some religious disgust um, and walking with them, helping them, and, and being able to build relationship with people and let the Spirit of God lead us into areas to really help people. So... Anyways, thank you all for coming tonight. I'm going to pray and, um, and hopefully get out of here. <laughs> Father, in Jesus' name, we just thank you. I thank you, Lord. And I pray you help, help every heart process this. Help every heart examine Scripture. Help every heart examine our heart. Help us examine ourselves. Help us have a sense of confrontation and combat to the evil darkness that is deceiving and destroying the world and help us have a great sense of Christ-centered compassion over those who are in the Lord and those who are not in the Lord, over people. Teach us how to pray, how to intercede, and teach us as parents how to pastor our own children and not let their ears be given to the world around them, but let us be diligent to impress these words upon their hearts and speak of them 
when we lie down and when we rise up in our house and and along the way. Help us, God, be teachers of the word to our children, making disciples in our own house, in our own workplace, in our own schools. And help us reach the souls of this generation that they would turn to you, God. That we could save lives and save souls. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.